guys, on today's pod, I had on Matthew Stocko to discuss the NBA season as a whole and do our season-long review beyond the Toronto Raptors. So this one's going to be focused on the other 29 teams doing a Toronto Raptors season review this weekend and posting early next week. And then for the final week of the season, we'll have on a guest writer to discuss the Toronto Raptors first round matchup, probably someone who covers the opposing team so we can get just a more in-depth look at the Toronto Raptors first round matchup. Lastly, I just want to make a quick announcement that the Raptors Rapture podcast will be coming out after every single postseason game. So we'll have a couple different contributors to come on, talk about what they've seen in the series, and more specifically, break down every single game. So every morning after the game has been played, make sure to check out wherever you get your podcasts at and find the Raptors Rapture postgame pod for every playoff contest. Uh, overall, I thought this pod between me and Matt went really good. So I hope you guys enjoy. games left in the season we got about a week left in the season i'm ready for the playoffs baby yeah you know it's these last games and particularly for the raptors since everything is wrapped up and everything is decided from our end obviously they're still waiting to watch the bottom of the standings to see who they play but the games are starting to drag here and as someone who has to write a post-up game for pretty much every game it's some uh, it sometimes it becomes a struggle you know it's I mean, the only thing that's kind of interesting me right now is that, you know, we just played the Magic, got the uh, the Nets, the uh, Miami Heat. We've got we've got a few games against our potential first round opponents. So, you know, I think at least I'm hoping that the team has a little bit of firepower in it to 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 want to say, hey, you guys, you don't want to play us, you know? Right. Yeah, I see that a little bit. But then when Nick Nurse is starting players like Serge Ibaka and Marcus all next to each other. Yeah. It, it makes you wonder how seriously the team is taking it. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't want to see that in the playoffs. Maybe against, I mean, maybe against Detroit for a stretch or two, but no. <laughs> yeah, for a stretch, I'm okay with it. It's much different than uh, for starting the game with it. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But as we have you on here, with this lull in the schedule, we're going to take a second just to talk about the NBA as a whole and kind of, what we've seen this season in regards to our expectations and everything like that. You know, just a moment, a break from the Raptors themselves and a focus on the NBA as a league. Mm-hmm. Um, you weren't on for our NBA awards uh, discussion with Jordan. And if people want to listen to that, I get, I discussed with Jordan Skews, another just contributor, what our awards were and kind of go into depth. Let me just ask you to kind of get rapid fire awards. If you just want to give one quick sentence on each. So Matthew, who is your MVP at this time? I I have to go with Giannis. I think he's on the best team and he's put together the more complete season. Understandable. Uh, I went Harden, but I totally understand the Giannis argument. Uh, yeah. Who do you have for defensive player of the year? Ooh, 
I, I, I mean, I could, I could, I, I, I could see Kawhi getting it, but I know he won't. Um, uh, I mean, I mean, I could also see someone like Drummond getting it as well. So I'm not sure who you picked. I took Rudy Gobert. Rudy Gobert, yeah, he's a good choice too. I mean, I think it's a little bit more of a toss-up this year. It's also harder to determine who who gets that award, you know? Yep. Uh, most improved player. Oh, it's it's the big battle, eh? D'Angelo or Siakam? I'm going to go with Siakam. I think that he's made the bigger impact on the bigger team and will ultimately get it, but it's it, it's it's razor close. D'Angelo Russell has also had a really good season. Good. Uh, sixth man of the year, Lou Williams, I'm assuming. Or maybe you have a surprise candidate. Sorry, uh, uh, sorry you, you cut out there, Mike. You said sixth man, and then what would you say? I said I'm assuming Lou Williams, but do you have anyone else? Uh, no, I think I think I, I think he's done it, man. I think he's really just he's elevated the Clippers, right, in a way that I don't think another six man really has. Fair enough. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Um, kind of just moving on then to the NBA and this season as a whole. What was your biggest surprise or your biggest takeaway from the season? So, you know, Mike, when we when we discuss doing this topic i kind of went back and looked at some of my notes from the beginning of the season when we were when uh, you know when we were discussing the beginning of the season and man were we afraid of the boston celtics <laughs> i think that in terms of one of my biggest surprises and maybe we can go point by point but um it's amazing to me how how chemistry has really just taken what should be a really great team apart, right? They have a great, they have a great organization. They have a great player base that, on paper, fits well together. Um, they they have a great coach. I have a lot of respect for Brad Stevens as a coach as well. So it's interesting to me that there's some sort of negative energy or force pulling this team back from from being all that it can be or trying 100 percent of the time i mean i know we I, I mean with that player base you still have to say they could put it together for the playoffs which would be an amazing turn of events but it's amazing how we went from fearing the boston celtics to fearing the milwaukee bucks for example i was as high in the celtics as anyone earlier this season so yes you were <laughs> so they're their downfall has really shocked me. I I didn't expect Gordon Hayward to be this hobbled coming back into the lineup, so that's certainly been something to watch. And, you know, they just had bad juju all year, so that was a huge shock to me. Is there anything out west that kind of catches your eye? I think out west for me, um, it, really, it, it really has to be James Harden, I think. And I think part of the reason why was because – at the very, very beginning of the season when Carmelo was still there and they were struggling, people were calling James Harden, you know, out of, out of shape, saying that he didn't try over the summer to improve. He didn't do anything. And then out of nowhere, right, in like December, he just starts – 30 like start aver starts averaging 30 points a game 50 points a game doing these unbelievable uh things just scoring like it's a video game like it's nba 2k on easy mode right he 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 has put together one of the most impressive runs and just how he avoided all of that uh all that early talk from the beginning of the season and and has just put it together and houston has just become a powerhouse right um i think i i, I know it might not sound like a 
real surprise, but I just, uh, you know, again, looking back on my notes at the beginning of the season, Houston was not doing well to start the season, right? And a lot of that blame was put on Harden, probably unnecessary, uh, un, unfairly, but he has done a really great job of turning it around. I totally agree. He, there was a lot of talk after, you know, the first few weeks, and that's why it's really dumb to have these narratives carved out after 10 games into the season when you figure out while teams are still figuring themselves out, a lot of times guys are still working them back into shape. And every year we do it, and every year we're surprised that the results are not what we think after 10 games. If if I had to go with my personal biggest takeaways or surprises, I'd have to say the Denver Nuggets being the second seed in the West really shocked mm-hmm. me. I thought they could be good. They missed the playoffs on the last game of the season last year. And we're our really talented team, and obviously Nikola Jokic is – one of the best players in the NBA, but them being the second seed really shocked me. And then, you know, in the Eastern Conference, I thought the Milwaukee Bucks were going to be really good this year. I said 55 wins, and it turns out that they're going to surpass that even and have a chance at 60 wins. This team is legitimately one of the best teams in the past five years. Their net rating is absolutely insane, and really everything about them has gone from the seventh seed in the Eastern Conference was which was just a pitiful at the bottom of the playoffs, to now the best team in a talented East and a real contender as much as anyone who's not Golden State. For for me, I think it's, you, you know, a lot of people will always say, uh, and especially in other sports too, like maybe even baseball and, and football to a degree and hockey, especially here in Canada as well, right? Like what's the difference between a coach, right? And I think... It really shows, right? Budenholzer has Budenholzer has unlocked so much potential with this team, right? Brooke Lopez ne- from going from never shooting threes to being a three-point threat, right? All of these different things are really equaling up, and I think a lot of credit has to go to has to go to Mike Budenholzer, who I mean, we didn't talk about NBA awards uh, in, in the awards section, but Coach of the Year, I mean, Budenholzer's got to be a top contender. For, to, like you said, taking a seven seed and turning it into a um, and turning it into a first seed, and I mean, really, what did they add over the offseason? They added Brook Lopez. I can't really think of any th- any other big transactions that they made, right? How dare you disrespect Pat Connaughton in that <laughs> way? Uh, no, they didn't add really anyone else. I, to me, he's a runaway Coach of the Year candidate. There's been yeah. some great guys, including Nate McMillan, uh, Mike Malone, but though. To me, he's the runaway candidate just seeing the impact he's made in Milwaukee so far. Yeah, yeah. Milwaukee is is I mean I mean, they they, they have valued that length in their team for years, right? And with Boonholzer Boonholzer coming in, licking his chops and really just making it this free flowing offense and this and this staggeringly tough defense is is amazing. And surrounding Giannis with shooters and letting Giannis go to work is is just amazing. It was just amazing as well. All right, are you ready, Matt, for our 30 teams in 30 minutes? I'm ready. I got my Gatorade. I'm ready to go. So we're not going to do one team or one minute per team. I would rather spend a little bit longer on the better teams and not quite as long on the teams that don't have as much to offer. But we are going to start at the bottom of the West, move our way up to the top, and go to the bottom of the East. Okay. Matt, what is your overall takeaway this year from the 18-60 and Phoenix Suns 13 games back of anyone else in the Western Conference? Uh, that they probably should have drafted um, uh, somebody else. And maybe not DeAndre Ayton. Cause it, I mean, not that DeAndre Ayton's bad, but uh, they could have they, they, they done better with Trey or, 
uh, Luka Doncic. Luka Doncic, yeah, his, <laughs> name, his name. I was, uh, I kept on wanting to say Josef Nurkic for some reason, but yeah, Luka Doncic, yeah. Yeah, and, you know, Devin Booker debate rages on whether he's a good player or, you know, I think he's really talented. I understand that right now a lot of his skill set might not be as contributable to winning as you would hope, but he's a really talented player. Um, I'm somewhere in the middle of that debate, but totally understand, you know, trepidation that he's going to be a winning player, but he's so immensely talented that you can't really blame him for the Suns not putting much around him. Yeah, I, he would be a great a second complimentary piece, you know, on a on, to another star on a different team. Totally agree. Dallas Mavericks, Matthew. Oh, future is bright. Uh, Luka Doncic, the guy I just forgot his name of. And, I mean, if they can retain Chris Staff Porzingis, whoo, that's uh, – future is bright. It was a risky move to me to trade for Porzingis. They – Gave up two picks and really don't have any way to acquire assets in the future. But if Luke is as good as we think he is and Kristaps returns to pre-injury Kristaps, then it's all going to pay, pay off for them because they have two building blocks there, potentially top 15 players. And if you have two top 15 players, that goes a long way in the NBA. It's it, it's amazing how the Oklahoma City Thunder have really inspired teams to, to take chances like this, eh? <laughs> uh the Memphis Grizzlies, 31-46, and 46, uh, same record as the Mavs, a little bit different situation, but what's your take on them? Uh, that, you know, we – that sometimes that sometimes when you're on a winning team, you can't develop as quickly as you would like, and, you know, to see a few of our former Raptors flourish is really great, and thank you for Marc Gasol. New Orleans Pelicans. Uh, I think they made the right decision and not – and not giving into the Laker demands and all the media hype. And if they do, I mean, I mean, if they, if I were them, I would be taking Boston's deal because Boston has the most assets to give. And, uh, and, 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 you know, I feel bad for them at the same time in their fan base, but you know, you know, take the best deal guys. Yeah. I feel bad for them to an extent. You had seven years to do something better than this pitiful roster around AD. <laughs> yeah, so. that's true. Yeah, uh, I, I do think that they made the right decision to not trade him. Uh, the risk is that Kyrie Irving walks and you don't have that Celtics offer. But are the Lakers really going to try to play hardball at that time? To me, there's still other contenders who won Anthony freaking Davis. So they have all the cards. If I'm them, I'm waiting till the all season when you'll probably have a few more offers, including a Boston Celtics offer. So I'm with you on waiting to make that move and, for them, it's just kind of playing out the string until you can trade Anthony Davis and start, hopefully, a real rebuild. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And do it right this time, Pelicans. The Minnesota Timberwolves. Oh, ooh, drama. Um, I think for me, I really do question, you know, Carl Anthony Towns and Andrew Wiggins' commitment to winning and commitment to not just like you know having a good time and hanging out but um i think they have front office problems i think they have player personnel problems so i, I you know a fan base i do feel bad for because they were really trying to build a winner there and uh, kind of all fell apart and jimmy butler kind of just just decided to call him out and say i'm out of here well carl anthony towns i i can understand the the worry with jimmy butler and his attitude but since Post-All-Star break, he's averaging about 34 and 13, I believe. He has a true shooting percentage of greater than 60%. He 
He's been absolutely bonkers. They have a real foundational building piece in Carl Anthony Towns. But to me, there's just no one else on that team that if you look at a championship team in five years, you can really point to and say, oh, they'll for sure be on that team. Robert Covington is a nice complimentary piece. If he were to go to a contender, I would really enjoy that. Um, for me, I'm just worried that the Timberwolves are going to chase the eight seed of the Eastern Conference and continue to add guys who are a little bit older rather than taking the proper steps to build who I think is a foundational superstar in Carl Anthony Towns. I, I mean, I hope you're right because I actually do really like Towns. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. Uh, Lakers, uh, let's keep the dysfunction <laughs> side away from it. I don't want to talk about LeBron as much. What do you just, if you're the Lakers, kind of what's your plan for the next the next couple of years? Oh, I mean, I mean, the Lakers are in such an interesting position, right? Because the, the, they're almost on the clock more than anybody because. Is LeBron? I mean, is LeBron ever going to break down? I mean, it, it it's only human nature. He has to eventually, right? But I think I think for this time, I think for the first time in a long time, we've actually seen a team, a LeBron team that like he can't just carry all by himself. He probably could have, but again with the injury and stuff. I think for me, if 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 you can find a superstar to start bringing around, then that's where you can start to determine what are your complementary pieces. But I don't think they can go through another season of signing one-year contracts to just anybody who will come. I think they I think they need to really either sit down with LeBron and say, hey, what sort of playing style do you want, and who do we need to get, and, and what types of players do we need to you know target and go after if they can't get a star. I mean, do I see a star going there? I mean. I mean, I guess because they have the money and they can offer it, but I'm struggling to see which star wants to go there, besides maybe Kyrie Irving. Yeah, it's hard to peg an individual down there, and as you start to kind of erase the guys, it looks like they might have to get a tier two, someone like Jimmy Butler, which Mm -hmm. obviously isn't ideal when you're talking about shelling out that kind of money. To me, you know, I used to always think LeBron and four average-level players could make the playoffs that's a little bit different in the west but he's fallen off from what he was and he can still be a phenomenal player and not be the player he was because the bar was set so high for him and for this lakers team for magic johnson and rob Polinka, they did what i think is just a pitiful job in the offseason with everybody who wasn't named lebron james there's been a clear formula of give lebron shooters and let him go to work and the magic or Magic and Palinka tried to outsmart that and get playmakers and gritty, tough defenders next to him, and that didn't work at all. It turns out that the original formula of give the guy who loves to dribble the ball and make plays for others, give him a bunch of shooters and watch them be successful was the correct formula the whole time, which it seemed like everybody knew but those two. So to me, it will be interesting to see who their second superstar is. And also, if they can transition those role players into guys that fit alongside LeBron better than, you know, the current players that they have. Do you think it's a foregone conclusion that they will get a second superstar just because they have the money to be able to offer one? I mean, the their their neighbors, the Clippers, can offer two max contracts, I believe, right? So it's just like... It, it depends what you mean by superstar. I think they'll get someone, whether it's Kemba, Jimmy Butler, I think they'll get someone of at least that quality. Yeah, like it's your two. Right. Uh, let's move on, though, to the Sacramento Kings, the surprise team of the season, 38-40 and 40 as it currently stands. I Obviously, neither you or I pick this. 
anyone who said they did, I'll be pretty skeptical about. What was your biggest takeaway from the Kings season? Uh, I think the Kings are, are are on the rise, and I think and I think you know it's an example of a team that's doing it well, right? Like doing that rebuild well. Kings have been pitiful for whatever, right? Like as long like I mean since the early two thousands, right? And for me to see them doing a rebuild, right, Darian Fox and, and, and all these and building building around these guys and a young team that's well coached, uh, their future is bright. And I wouldn't be surprised if they are not a playoff team next year, potentially. Yeah, it will be tough in the West, but I certainly could see them making it. Darren Fox is another example of when we judge rookie point guards and young point guards in general that we need to be a little bit more patient because those guys – seem to break out and if it's D'Angelo Russell, if it's De'Aaron Fox, if it's anybody like that, just, you know, be a little more patient because sometimes those guys have to work through some mistakes as rookie point guards. Yeah, yeah, but I, I I'm a huge Darian Fox fan and I, I can't I can't wait to watch him develop. The Thunder, what is your big takeaway for them? Uh that First of all, that Paul George is absolutely awesome and a beast because to come back from that sort of injury and just be in this fantastic – the best form he's probably ever been in is amazing. Um, still think they need a better coach because they have an, a tier one point guard, an MVP candidate, and an amazing big man in Steven Adams, and they still just can't put it together as much as as much as they should. I think they need someone to help unlock – unlock Russ's potential a little bit more and get him to be, a, a, you know, just a little bit more within himself. And that's hard, tough to say for a guy who just did a double, triple, double. But, I mean, there's always improvements to be made. So um, still st- still really big on the Thunder, but just maybe a better coach or a different direction, a different voice voicing that team. There's someone who I think could improve with a couple role player changes around there, get a little bit better shooting around Paul George and Russell Westbrook. Yeah, And I, I really think it could make the difference for them. They could improve, too. You know, when you talk about if Kevin Durant leaves, and we'll talk about that a little bit later, if he does leave, that West becomes a lot more open, and the Thunder certainly have a chance to grab it. They just need to make a couple of changes around the margins, although I think they have a pretty solid base there. And, I mean, still good on the Thunder, right? Like, I mean, they've really had – transformation after transformation after transformation on this team and they're still you know always there always developing always growing so i mean they're they're still a good team the san antonio spurs that i'm pretty sure a nuclear holocaust could hit the united states and the san antonio spurs would end up with a record above 500 in in the playoffs what's your biggest takeaway from them besides just the machine that keeps on chugging <laughs> I think I, I I think it's becoming a theme within this episode is the value of good coaching, right? Um, Popovich has proven that he can he can make lemonade out of rocks and has really shown that we need to uh, to uh, you know just be better that way. The Los Angeles Clippers, the, I think the biggest takeaway for this team, and we can talk about them just a little bit longer because they're the number one bidder for Kawhi Leonard. And what's kind of your takeaway of this team, this roster? What do they offer Kawhi? I think I think they offer Kawhi a rising team. You know, at the beginning of the season, I wasn't as, uh, as uh, intimidated by their roster, but they have a really good young foundation as well, right? And people that move the ball, they got a solid big man and, and a six-man-of-the-year candidate, right? Lots of, lots of potential on that team along with deep pockets and ownership and uh, a really good coach. So, I mean, it, you know, 
Yeah. You know, like, there's lots that they could do. I agree. They have, to me, it all depends. The Clippers case is really dependent on if they can get that second star to play alongside them. That team, if you add Kyrie Irving and Kawhi Leonard, becomes super interesting. If you add, yep. you know, someone and Kawhi, it's really, it really makes a difference. We'll see if they are able to move off the Danilo Gallinari contract or whether they keep him around. He's a good player. His injury concerns bother me a lot. They are certainly an attractive basketball option as well as, you know, obviously being in L.A. Well, yeah, yeah. The Utah Jazz. Uh. I think a little, I think a little disappointing. I, I thought I expected a little bit more out of them with Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert. Um, but again, I think a few complimentary, like we've been saying, complimentary shooters could help them a little bit in spacing the floor a little bit better. They're someone who could have a sneaky amount of cap space, and someone I think can be a Mike Conley destination or someone like that. They just need another offensive force to me to pair alongside Mitchell. It feels like the offense just relies way too heavily on him. And Rudy Gobert is a different kind of superstar. So you have to pair another scoring option with Donovan Mitchell to me before they're a true contender. But I like the young pieces in Utah for sure. Um, how about the Portland Trailblazers? Uh, that injury is just so heartbreaking. But again, a team that is probably one piece away from really, truly contending. Uh Dame Lillard and and, and and CJ McCollum are great, and I don't, I don't know if it's power forward that you need to add. It can help stretch the floor, but one piece away. I've always been in the don't break up the backcourt of McCollum and Lillard. Another year where it looks like they won't be serious contenders in the playoffs, and I'm starting to waver a bit. It will be it's tough because I think those two can win together, and they put together a solid defense despite two below-average defenders at the guard positions. The Trailblazers, to me, are a team that they kind of need a home run, and I don't know how they get that third superstar, but you're right. That's who they need. And obviously the Nurkic injury is a tough blow. Um, but what are your thoughts on the Rockets? Uh, Rockets? Uh, I think I think they're just as good as ever, man. The way they move the ball, and I mean, J- I mean, when you have an unbelievable scoring threat in James Harden, you are always going to have a chance to win, even against a, a, a powerhouse team like the Warriors. Like having somebody like that is just amazing. And Clint and, and and their use of Clint Capella, I think, is a textbook way to use a big man like Clint Capella, who's maybe not the best uh, scoring threat from deep, from deep. Watching them gut their roster of role players in order to get under the tax was a little bit unnerving for me. I never want to see that. If they really were just trying to duck the repeater tax to spend in future years, then that makes sense to me. They didn't lose anything major. But more likely to me is the new owner doesn't have the pockets to go into the luxury tax, which kind of limits them moving forward as far as what they can do around pieces, around Paul and Harden. But... You're right. This team is still very talented. It's easy to look at the other teams in the West because they overperformed expectations, but to be the three seed after the start they had is nothing short of remarkable. Yeah, agreed. Uh, Denver Nuggets, what I talked about, is my surprise team. I guess I'll just go real quick. This team continues to amaze me, the depth that they have. They have been like secretly one of the most injured teams all season end up as the two seed. I do have some worries how Jokic is going to fare defensively in the playoffs, and I think they're more of a regular season team than a postseason team. But, you know, the step they made to go from an eight seed to a two seed in one year 
is really impressive, and I'm excited to see what they look like with Michael Porter back. Yeah, uh, I think you, you you stole my point there, Mike. Can Jokic perform defend really, and 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 as teams prepare for him game over game, how competitive will they be? It'll be very interesting to see that. The Golden State Warriors, the juggernaut of the West, who you know integrating Demarcus Cousins has been a little bit trickier than a lot of people thought. He's been it's been kind of a mixed bag. We'll see. Once the postseason starts with them, you know, effort during the regular season is always a concern. Yeah, uh, it's interesting because, uh, you know, even e- even if DeMarcus isn't working in the playoffs, they can always still roll out the death lineup, right, which is which is interesting. But I think they're going to play future here and say, I don't know if I see Durant. I mean, Cousins obviously not, but Durant there next year. And is this the final year of the run? Could be. Speaking of teams that might – be a Durant landing spot. The New York Knicks, 15-62, and 62, in the tankapalooza that is the bottom of the Eastern Conference, they find a way to really just outclass them all. They're terrible with their current roster, but is there anything that kind of gives you hope for New York Knicks fans? Gosh, I, I uh, you know, in my gut and in my heart, I feel like on their roster next year, they have Durant, Kyrie, and Zion. Could, I, I, it just it just feels that way. Eh? It just feels like the writing's on the wall there. Uh, with the lottery, they shouldn't have Zion. I mean, they they have the highest chance. It still is below twenty percent. So more than likely, we won't see them with Zion. Unless you're a conspiracy theorist, then they'll definitely have Zion. Uh, I think Durant goes there. I'm not so sure Kyrie leaves. Um, if he does. That team instantly becomes one of the top teams in the East. The the Knicks are also, to me, a sneaky team to watch for Kawhi. I don't think he'll go there. But, you know, if you get Durant, you get the number one pick. They're at least an attractive option. And at least someone just kind of to keep an eye on at, out of your peripherals if you're a Raptors fan. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I'd be interested to see that team with Barrett, too. I think that'd be, that'd be kind of interesting, too. The Cavaliers, who are not a threat to steal anyone, uh, <laughs> they... They will get the number one pick because that's how the NBA lottery works. The Cavaliers yeah. seem to luck their way into the number one pick, but I don't know. Not much to talk about here. At least to me, they've witnessed that they need to rebuild and have started to sell off some of the side pieces. And, you know, they at least see where they're at as a franchise, even if that place is not very good. Can they trade Kevin Love? Should they? Yeah, someone will. Someone will want him, man. We always think these contracts are untradeable. He'll have a hot 10-game stretch next season, and we'll be off the Cleveland Cavs roster, I think. Yeah, probably. Uh, The Chicago Bulls, speaking of teams, the Bulls, to me, are similar to the Cavaliers, but they just don't know it yet. They have a few more young pieces, and someone I like a lot of Wendell Carter and Laurie Marketing is really solid, but they look like a team who's trying to contend a little bit sooner than they should as the GM's uh, Garpex there tries to keep their job. I... I just don't think we need to worry about the Bulls for a solid three seasons. I agree, and I and it always amazes me that Chicago's never a destination for free agents. It's never in that conversation. Yeah, always amazes me. Yeah, that's weird. I I agree. I don't totally know the reason for that. Uh, how about the Atlanta Hawks? The Trey Young deal turned out. I still think that Luka Doncic is a better player. I think they got the worst end of that deal. But Wow has. The tie swung on that one after it looked like he really struggled in the first part of the season. And now all of a sudden he's having a monster second half of the year and has really kind of changed how we look at him as a prospect. 
Yeah, I think he. I think. I think he's a classic example of somebody who just takes a little bit more time to get adjusted to the game and how how it's different and playing with these top 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 tier athletes. But um, if he if, if he continues to grow and develop like he can, uh, future's bright for the Hawks. The Wizards, who if you know if you had to pick one team who's going to be the worst in three seasons, I'm not so sure you wouldn't pick the Washington Wizards. They're settled with that John Wall contract, which looks terrible now with the injury. Uh, just fired Ernie Grunfeld, so that is good news for them. The Wizards, you know, I don't know if we need to spend a ton of time. Unless the Raptors decide to go into a full rebuild, we will not be fearing the Washington Wizards anytime soon. Thank goodness. And Tessa, whoever comes in in the new front office, it's going to be a tough one. You're going to have to pull some magic, quote, or pun intended. Uh the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, I would be very surprised to see Kemba on that team next year. I think uh, you, you kind of hinted there, Mike, that he might be a Laker. And uh, another team that, you know, had a, had a, at least a Tier 2 superstar, much like the Pelicans, and just couldn't get anything around him. Yeah, I totally agree. You know, I don't think he's at the level of Davis, but it's a similar sentiment. And yeah. the fact the team just really struggled around him and – He'll go somewhere and get a full four four year payday, and we'll see. I I'm a little skeptical whether he'll be able to earn that whole thing, but he's a really good player, and you know, good for him to get out of Charlotte if he does, in fact, or you know, if he wants to stay, that's fine too. Uh, he's had a nice career there. The Orlando Magic. Uh, it's the bell of the ball right now. Yeah, Streaking yeah. hot. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think they have. I think they have a few more pieces than I thought they could, and they could be two. Maybe I uh, have we said one piece away. They could be two pieces away. I think from having a very decent and competitive roster. I worry about them being a little short-sighted as well, targeting people. From what I've read and a couple things I've heard, they had a first-round pick available for Terrence Ross, but they kept him to pursue the playoffs. That's pretty foolish to me. I thought that if they traded Booch, traded Ross, got a few more assets to stockpile, that would be smarter. Uh, they're a team that I worry about being short-sighted. But if they are, if they do have the right approach and kind of focus on the longer term, I like Jonathan Isaac. I like Aaron Gordon, even though he might get dealt. Uh, not so sure about Mo Bamba, but they have some pieces there if they kind of build that team from the inside out. Mo Bamba, bad pick. Uh, the Miami Heat. They are, you know, when you talk about a team that's destined to be somewhere between the 8th seed and the 12th seed for the next four seasons, it's the Miami Heat. They have a, a monster cap bill coming up here and really nobody that you are that excited about. No, I agree, and uh, I think they're a classic. another, again, a classic example of a team that has had an amazing run for so long and is now on the downside of that swing and, and is – prepared to, to to go into the rebuild eventually. When I said no and you're excited about it, I want to be clear. I like Bam out of Iowa. I like Justice Winslow. Just nobody that, you know, really gets you going and nobody that looks yeah. like they're going to be a transcendent player or even an all-star player. No. Uh, the Brooklyn Nets, they were, you know, the big turnaround of the season. They've fallen to 39 and 39. It appears they might make, miss the playoffs now. To me, it's still a positive season if you would have told the Nets – they would be around 500 to start the year. They would have taken it. They've fallen on a tough time. The schedule has been rough the past couple games. I'm not too worried. 
This team still has a few nice pieces to build around it, and for the first time in a million years, they have their own pick. So congratulations, Brooklyn. You lived out the worst time to be a Nets fan, and now you're here. Yeah, and again, theme, good coaching, man. Kenny Atkinson, good job. Detroit Pistons, Dwayne Casey's there now. They are a team, when we talked about the Heat being subject to mediocrity, the Pistons are in the same boat. Uh, One thing that kind of has shocked me this season is, you know, I just kind of forgot how good Blake Griffin was. Blake Griffin's really talented, and he's overpaid on that contract. I understand that. And because of that, no good team will probably trade for him. But, man, he's just a really good basketball player. I like Andre Drummond a lot. Unfortunately, I don't like many of their wings and really any of their backcourt. Yeah, uh, I, I, Andre Drummond and Blake Griffin are an interesting combo that kind of works, but doesn't kind of at the same time. Uh, I just just avoid the Raptors, please. Just I don't just I, 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 my heart can't take that. What about the Pacers? Uh I think, I mean, I think they've got a fantastic core, right? Like this run without Victor Oladipo has just proven that, you know, they're a team that's on the rise. And again, if they can get a complimentary piece to a complimentary star, even to Victor Oladipo and Oladipo comes back um, just as good as he was, then, then, then this is a, this is a team and yes, in a competitive East and they might not win it, but they're a, they're a solid looking team. Yeah, I, I like Thad Young a lot. I like a lot of the surrounding pieces there. Miles Turner has had a real breakout season on the defensive end. He's, you know, a defensive player of the year candidate. They're very talented. Uh, besides Victor Oladipo, they're going to need him back if they want to achieve any of their serious goals. But you're right, if they can add a second piece alongside him. Again, they're a team who could add a Mike Conley, some other type of point guard this year. I, I like what the Pacers have a lot. Uh the Boston Celtics, we've touched on a little bit here. Again, the surprising team of the East in a bad way. They, you know, they're 46 and 32. They're, they haven't been as big of a disappointment as everyone thinks they've been. Uh, maybe winning 50 games wasn't the plan. Their advanced metrics still love them. But it just seems like this team has a permanent cloud around them at all times. And maybe if Kyrie signs long term, that kind of ends. Maybe if Kyrie signs. Long term, he brings out more quotes about philosophy and annoys his teammates more. <laughs> I, I I don't know, man. The Celtics, to me, were just the biggest disappointment this season. And we've already touched on it, so I guess I won't go into it anymore. But, wow, what a, what a disappointment this year. Yeah, it, it, like how, like how, why? Like it's 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 strange and weird. And again, I mean, I think it, I think it might have something to do with Kyrie. To be honest with you, the Philadelphia 76ers, They're forty nine and twenty eight. Their roster has totally changed from the beginning of the season. I kind of like the four pieces, and they haven't been great together. There's been a lot of injuries since they made them all. I think that all four can still work if they can figure it out. Uh, kind of what's your stance on them, I guess, moving forward? Do you think all four of these guys can stay together and build a consistent team, or do you think it's more likely one of them leaves this offseason? I think I think one of them has to leave, and the reason why is because, is because they're really decimated besides those four, right? And, yeah, those – and, I mean, it's been proven, Warriors proven, that you can win with four, but – I just I, I just don't know how complimentary the pieces are and 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 and, it, and again like pl- we were talking about um, Jokic and planning for the playoffs right 
can you plan for Ben Simmons and how to stop him and how to limit his effectiveness, right? I feel like there are ways to do that. And uh, I mean, who knows, right? It could be it could be that Ben Simmons has, is the one that has to go to help make this team more effective and get some other pieces around it. I'm not sure about that. That's a, That might be a hot take. No, I, I understand it to some level. I don't think he's a great fit with Joel Embiid, who to me is the yeah. guy you build around and exactly. it's priority one. Uh, the pieces kind of around the margin, so they have five with you count J.J. Redick, who I think at this point is still a really, you know, he's not an all-star level player, but he's just under that and is a consistent force on offense and his gravity impacts so many things. But they still have a few assets in the tank that people don't think about. They still have their first-round pick this year. They have Zaire Smith, who was the first-round pick of last year. To me, they still have a few cards to play this offseason. If they bring everybody back and you're able to add a few bench pieces, this team gets really scary. I think that the 76ers are kind of one year of moves away still from winning the East. But if they kind of use their remaining assets to gain some bench pieces next year, then they're going to be really scary in my eyes. Yeah, agreed, agreed. Toronto, we're not going to talk about just because. So for Toronto, we will be doing a full kind of season review, talking about what things we had right, what things we had wrong, uh, the moves of the season. We'll be doing a full in-depth breakdown this weekend, so look out for that. But as far as here, we're not going to touch on them because obviously we talk about them quite a bit. Uh but then there's also the Milwaukee Bucks. We've talked about them, the surprise of this year. They're going to win 60 games, it looks like. I had a scorching hot take that they were going to win 55. The take wasn't hot enough. They've been absolutely yeah. insane. Uh, Mike Budenholzer has totally changed the way this team plays offense. They play four round one now, let Giannis go to work. Uh, you think Giannis is the MVP. I at least think he's in the discussion. This team is just you know, they're really good, and they went from, again, the seventh-place team in the East, which is a crazy shock, to a legitimate contender and the betting favorite to get out of the East. Yeah, uh, it's – it. I mean, I mean, regardless of how much we love the Raptors, you know, it's going to be a tough series, barring any injuries from the Milwaukee Bucks side uh, for them. It's it, it – you know, the Bucks are – like you like you said, their advanced stats are just off the charts, and Giannis is, is not only – it's not only a skilled threat – but he is a physical force to be reckoned with. Right, and when they put shooters around him like that, it becomes nearly impossible to guard them. Yeah. Uh, what are your, I guess, before we head out here, What do you have any overall thoughts on who's the best team to overthrow the Warriors in the West? If I told you the Raptors made the NBA Finals and they weren't playing the Warriors, who do you think they'd be playing? I think, I think, and, and 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 you know it pains me to say because I love the I love the uh, uh, the Denver Nuggets so much and just the way they play and their the the makeup of their team but I think the only team can be the Rockets and I think it's just because James Harden is that good and can take over that much and I think that they have the types of players to be able to contend with the uh, Warrior style as well um, I mean I could see the Nuggets really struggling to keep Jokic on the floor for example I mean I mean, would would the Warriors potentially play Cousins last to keep Jokic off the floor they could do that right yeah I, I don't think that's ridiculous and the Rockets kind of switch everything scheme has given the Warriors fits for the better part of a year, and they're able to force the Warriors into iso ball, which somehow other teams can't do. Uh, when you combine that with just the 
ability to shoot and get hot at any moment. I really think that the Rockets are the only choice here. They're the third seed in the West, and to me, we're just kind of overthinking it with anybody else. Yeah, yeah, and I think Carmelo Anthony is the only reason why they were the third. They're the third seed anyway, right? So, uh, yeah, with Chris Paul and Clint Capella missing legitimate time during the yeah, year, I, yeah, I, yeah. Uh, any other thoughts, kind of on the East as, as a whole, and what you expect to see? You know, non-Raptor related or kind of tying yeah. it back to the Raptors a bit. Yeah, I think I think for me. Um, and, and and this is just as a as a basketball fan in general. I I think that you know the East has definitely improved over this uh, you know especially this season and over the last few. Um and, and and for me I think the more interesting playoff stories all the whole way through are actually going to come out of the are going to actually going to come out of the East, right? The Eastern Conference provided all top four teams advance. The Eastern Conference semifinals are going to be as interesting around the basketball as we've seen in some time and I'm really pumped to see it. And there's also not only does this playoffs impact this season, which is obviously important, but I think it will have a huge impact on free agency. What do the 76ers do with Butler and Harris? Where, what does Kyrie Irving do? What does Kawhi Leonard do? There's a lot of storylines this off season that will be decided on the success of the playoffs this year. Yeah. Like, I mean, I mean, I'm still of the opinion. I think that, that Kawhi's, Kawhi's decision will I mean I don't want to get too much into it but Kawhi's decision will really be made in the Eastern Conference Finals right like are they there then he may be more compelled right are they not there then he might be more swayed and how they do it within that Eastern Conference Finals could also be very interesting yeah I totally agree so it'll be exciting Matt I'm excited to talk about the Raptors Yes, a couple days here, but this was fun. Glad we got to, you know, talk about the league as a whole for a bit. Yeah, I think I think I mean, just, you know, the league as a whole, I think it's been a really good year for the NBA. I mean, there was a little bit of drama with Jimmy Butler and Brian Colangelo at the beginning of the year and then Anthony Davis in the middle. But I mean, it's better than any reality TV show on TV and it is reality. And the and I mean, there's been tons of rising stars and, and great things. So for me, overall, I think the league's in a very, very healthy spot. Yeah, I totally agree. Thanks, man. Yep, talk to you later.